Take your Bibles if you would. We're going to be in two different passages of Scripture this morning. For just a few moments, I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter number 14, if you would. And I want to ask you this question. Because it's a struggle within every single one of our lives. It's something we have to decide. Or I was listening to an individual talk the other day, and they they said you cannot be neutral, uh, and it's it's true. When it comes to the truth of God's word, when it comes to uh, where you stand, you can't be neutral. Either you're for God or against God, uh, and that's just the reality of it. And uh, this morning, I wonder if you have come to a place in your own life where you have just said, you know what, I'm selling out. I'm done playing games. I'm done waiting. I'm done, you know, doing my own thing. I'm done trying to figure this out and figure that out. I just, I'm surrendering all. I'm laying it all uh, at your feet, Lord. I'm saying yes to whatever it is you have for me. And the truth of the matter is, I believe that for many of us, we desire that, if not all of us here. I believe if if we were to wake up on a Monday morning and we were to reflect on what the Lord has done in our hearts on a Sunday and reminding us of things, we would wake up and we would say, I just want to just sell out to the Lord. But oftentimes the reality is this, that though we want to do that, you'll find this to be true, that before anyone ever sells out to something or to someone or to a concept or whatever the case might be, there is something that has changed their life, and it is this one word, their viewpoint. I wonder this morning, what is your viewpoint of your God this morning? How do you view Him? You see, because if you viewed him the way the word of God explains and reminds us of how wonderful he is and how powerful he is, then you would stand in awe and say he is too worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be surrendered to. He is worthy that I would sell out to him and say, Lord, I will say yes every day of my life. I find this to be true in many things whenever you will begin to have a discussion with someone. And you can use it as a practical discussion. For just a moment, there are many of us, if we were to ask, what is your favorite uh, fast food burger place? Every single one of us has a fast food burger place where we will say, this is my favorite. Well, what is it? We view that place to be the best that there ever was. And we were standing around, we were practicing a song just the other day for Easter, and, and I grabbed a Pepsi, and I was holding a Pepsi in my hand, and, and somebody was making fun of me for drinking a Pepsi because they said, Coke is better. And my wife always says that Coke, I mean, that Pepsi is just a flat version of Coke. That's her viewpoint. Everybody can be wrong every once in a while. It's okay. <laughs> you see, everybody has a viewpoint on things and why they sell out to things and why they choose certain things. Notice in Luke chapter number 14 for just a few moments because we see some very clear words and we see some things being passed along to us this morning that as we read it, we say, I want to do that, but I just can't. Five, and there went great multitudes with him and he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? 
whether you have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily, after you have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that beholdeth it, or behold it, begin to mock him. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. What king going to make war against another king sit down not first, or not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse number 25 begins to lay a foundation for something that we wrestle with often. It is the one understanding that the Lord desires us to be true followers of Him and forsaking all and following Him. And as He gives this illustration, we read in verse number 26, He says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, the Lord is not saying that you ought to hate your wife and you ought to hate your children. That's not the principle that he is sharing here. He's not saying it in such a way that you ought to hate them. He is using this for comparison purposes. That because of how wonderful he is and how glorious he is and how worthy he is, you ought to have so much love for him that he truly has preeminence in your life. That he comes first and that everything else comes second. And you'll find this to be true, that as the Lord is sharing these principles with us and these desires of His own heart that we would instill in our own lives, that as we do these things, all of a sudden everything else truly does begin to take place the way it needs to. Many of us have walked the doors of the church, and maybe you've walked the doors of the church and your marriage is struggling this morning. And maybe your children are giving you problems in the home and you really cannot get a hold of your home. Or maybe you've come and your your job is just wearing you down and you, you, you find yourself consumed by those things. Or maybe you have hobbies that have just gotten your attention and you're giving yourself only to those things. And you're saying, my life just seems as if it's out of whack. Well, the truth of the matter is we have to ask the question, where does the Lord fit into all of this? Does he have preeminence in your home? Does he have preeminence in your marriage? Is he first? You see, if we're not careful, I love my family. I love my children. I love this church. I love uh, many of my friends. I, I love serving the Lord and all those many things. But if I'm not careful in certain seasons where I find myself struggling with things or things are off balance, it's because I've misplaced the priority of where Jesus falls in my life. There are times in my own life when I struggle with this and I begin to ask the question, what is going on? And the truth of the reality of it is, I haven't been really truly selling out to the Lord. I haven't given Him preeminence. Because whenever I'm right with the Lord and I have Him in the center of my life, then all of a sudden, everything else becomes very clear. But whenever I begin to put other things in front of the Lord and I begin to prioritize other situations or other people or other things within my life, all of a sudden I find that it's not going the way I thought it should go. And so notice in verse number 26 and 27, as he goes on, he says... If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his 
cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we view the Lord this morning? I want to take you to a psalm here in just a few few moments that is laid out, and it's a psalm that really begins to help us view the Lord and how wonderful He truly is. It's not going to be from the perspective that you think. It's not going to be from the perspective of it begins to characterize everything that the Lord is, but it begins to share who the Lord is based on the things that we can see every single day of our lives. Go with me for just a moment, if you would, to Psalm 19. And Psalm 19 is one of my favorite psalms. We've been here before. If you've been a part of our church for any length of time, then a couple of years ago we started walking through the psalms on Wednesday evenings, and we came to Psalm 19 a long, long time ago. And I love this psalm because in this psalm right here, you're going to begin to realize that as it begins to shed some light on the creation that we get to experience every single day, that we begin to acknowledge who our Creator is and it begins to show forth just how glorious He truly is. You see, this morning, if you're ever going to sell out to the Lord, then you have to fall in love with the Lord. If you're ever going to just say, Lord, I want to be a true disciple, then you're going to have to view him in a different light. You see, sometimes we just view the Lord as someone that we go to when we need something done. Let's be honest for just a few moments. The only time some of us pray is when we need God to intervene. The only time any of us sometimes go to the Word of God is when all of a sudden we're trying to figure out a situation. But when you begin to realize that He is worthy of our time at all moments of our lives, and as we spend time in God's Word, not just to get something figured out, but just to see, Lord, how wonderful you are. Oh, the Word of God and how rich it is. So look with me for just a moment. In Psalm 19, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language. Their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words the end of the world, and them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as, as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is come from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. There is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Verse number 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, and the testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, and the commandments of the Lord are is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honeycomb and the honey or honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer. You see, this psalm begins in such a way where it points us to look at who the Lord is as Creator. As it begins to continue moving forward, all of a sudden you begin to see the insight is given and placed on the Word of God and how powerful the Word of God is. As it closes, all of a sudden you begin to see the psalmist saying, Lord, move me away from sin and move me to you 
And he closes out by acknowledging that the Lord is worthy. In verse number 14, as he says, Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Why? Because he's worthy of it. Lord, you are worthy that everything that I do would be acceptable unto you. Lord, you're worthy in such a way, Lord, that I don't just view you as someone I go to when I need something. But Lord, everything that I do, may it be acceptable unto you because that is how wonderful you are. So this morning you're asking or maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I want to sell out to the Lord, but I just struggle with this every single day. Well, how do you view God? You see, every single day that you walk out the doors of your house, you get to walk out and you get to see the creation that our creator has given us the eyes to see. How wonderful it is. I was standing and I was looking outside just a a, a couple days ago and right outside our window of our house, you know, sometimes you have the same issue, but you'll have birds that try to get up in them them uh, shutters and they'll, they'll, they'll start creating their little nests and laying their eggs. And, they, and so there was a bird. I mean, I'm standing there and there's a bird right there and it's just staring at me. It takes everything that I have not to pick that little nest up and just move it somewhere else. I started my grill a couple of years ago and uh, no birds were harmed in this, okay? But I started my grill a couple of years ago and I look outside and my grill is, I mean, it's a big old fire. I said, what in the world? It's on low. Well, there was a nest that they had left in my grill, and I hadn't checked it yet. I was just kind of starting everything. and was in the process of getting everything prepared, and, you know, and, and I, all of a sudden I look out, and there's a nest right there. They just, lay, they just lay their nest everywhere. But as I was looking at that bird, I was thinking, look at the detail. Look at the little nose. Look at that eyes. It's staring at me. Look at, the, look at the creation as you see not only the bird, but you see the, the massive tree behind it. There are times whenever we'll be driving on the road and we'll be either coming from church or coming to church or we'll just be out and about and you'll look, uh, look ahead and you'll see the sky and what are the words that come out of your mouth? Wow, the sky is beautiful tonight. Can I share with you? That's your creator that made that. How do you view God? As you come to Psalm 19, you come to a portion of Scripture where as it begins to highlight this, it's as though this psalm here is introducing us to some things. And in verse number one, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork, day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth not. And as you, if you've ever been to a play or a presentation, there are times whenever you will be being introduced to someone and they'll begin to talk about them. And as you read Psalm 19, it's as though the psalm, the psalmist is introducing us to the Lord. And he goes on in verse number 7, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's as though he starts out and says, I want to introduce you to someone. This one is the, the creator of all creators. He's the one who's done all things wonderful. He's the one that there is no speech that you could ever say about him that is negative. He's the one that the law of the Lord is perfect. He's the one that the, 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 the Lord is sure. And he's the one that the fear of the Lord is present. You begin to be introduced to this psalm. The psalmist begins to introduce you to the Lord as he's introduced you. He's wonderful. He's glorious. He's amazing. He begins to to introduce you. It's as though he peels back the curtains and he says, I want to introduce you to God Almighty. The Lord of Lords. The, The one who, as you are looking at the creation right this very moment, I want to introduce you to the Creator. 
As you walk down the beach and you see the beautiful sand and you see the ocean as it is coming on the shore, this Creator is the one I want to introduce you to. As you're driving down the street and you're in uh, the, the west and you're seeing the beautiful mountains and you're seeing all of the snow and you're, you're seeing the beautiful sky and you're seeing the sun and the stars and the moon and all of these things, this Creator is the one that I want to introduce you to. And His name is God Almighty. You see, if we were to wake up every single day and we were to view the Lord just like that, I believe we'd live our lives a different way. But if we're being honest sometimes, the way that we approach selling out to the Lord and living our lives for the Lord is we wake up and we've got the eye boogers in our eyes and we're rolling over and we're a little frustrated that we got to get up. We're a little annoyed that I guess I need to do right again today. I guess I need to respond the right way. And why? Well, it's just what my, my God expects of me. You see the difference there? The difference is how we view our Lord. And the psalmist in verse number 12 on down, and we're going to back up here in a moment, he says these words. He says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me. From secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. That statement right there it speaks of not going back to those things, but defeating those things. I remember sitting in a service one time, and I heard the passage of Scripture preached on many times on David and Goliath. But I remember Brother Johnny Pope was preaching at Baptist Friends, and he was preaching, and as he was preaching on that, that story of David and Goliath, he begins to go the step further and starts talking about sin, and he begins to illustrate and talk about David cutting off the head of Goliath. He began to deal with that. He began to illustrate the very simple truth that many of us Christians fall into where we leave the head on the giant far too long. And we keep going back to that. You go and you begin to, to realize that in many passages of Scripture, our sin is to be dealt with and it's to be cleansed and restored and we are to, to, to run from it. But many times we go back and we say, I want to continue to partake in that. And he says, the only way to defeat them was to cut off the head of the giant. You want to know my, why many Christians are still holding themselves in bondage to the sin? Because they're unwilling to cut off the head of the giant. We enjoy it far too long. And all of a sudden, it takes us captive. You see that the psalmist says in verse number 13, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from thy great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Notice three things this morning, and we will be done. I want you to notice, as he is beginning to talk about the Lord's handiwork, we see the declaration here. Number one, we see the declaration here. As he is going on and he is talking about the declaration of the Lord and His handiwork and how wonderful He is, you begin to realize that He is trying to show forth just how glorious He is. And we ask ourselves, how do I view the Lord? The other day we were in our... Uh, kitchen and uh miss kelly was giving me a hard time and we we joke with each other often and uh charlie is getting to that age where he is starting to recognize when people come into the room 
And he knows who is who, and he reaches out for people. And his go-to is he stares at you for a little while, and then he just goes. That's, that's, that's his way of letting you know he want, wants whatever he's pointing at. And uh, Charlie was was in the, the, the kitchen. He was crawling into the kitchen. We were standing in the kitchen, and Charlie walks in, and he's, you know, he's just going to town, crawling in. And all of a sudden, he looks up, and he sees his mom, and he goes, just like that. Miss Kelly looked at me, and she says, I wish you looked at me the way Charlie looks at me when he sees me the first time. I said, well, you're sweet to him. <laughs> no. We, we, we were joking with each other. I, I, you know, you think about that, though. And I remember, I remember standing there and hearing that, and then as I began to study, I began to think about this. Sometimes... Now, I don't look at her, and I don't get disgusted when I see her, okay? I look at her, and I'm mesmerized, all right? But I, I, I was thinking about this. That boy, when he sees his mama, his eyes just light up. He gets excited. There are times in our own lives whenever we see certain people, that whenever we see them, we kind of get that. And I wonder how many of us this morning, when we begin to consider how we view the Lord, how many of us, when we open the Word of God, our eyes start to beam? We start to get excited. A smile crosses our face. And how many of us, when it comes to getting alone with the Lord, we kind of look at it like, oh, again? You see, that's telling of how you view your God right there. The psalmist is introducing us to the Lord here as he is doing so. He goes on and notice these words. These are not just soft words. These are words of, of implication of what he views the Lord to be. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter a speech. This is speaking of that statement. Utter a speech speaks of shouting, if you would. The, the world and society and, and everything. There are so many voices in our world, but they are no match to the creator and his creation. And it begins to say, day unto day utter a speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom, coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. You see, in these statements right here, you're beginning to be introduced to who your Savior and who your God truly is. There are times whenever you will go and you will order certain food. And sometimes you might be asking someone, hey, how is the food at such and such place? And one of the words that will come out of their mouth is, well, it depends on when you go. Because there's no consistency. Can I share with you, as you read the Word of God, you're introduced to some of these strong statements here, and they begin to reveal just how consistent our God is. He doesn't change. You see, some of us go about our days, and our days are determined by what mood we're in. You're in a bad mood, you wake up, and somebody says, oh, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, all of a sudden, everything that you do that day determined by how your attitude is when you woke up that day. But our God isn't like that. He's the same. He's consistent. And you begin to see in these statements like this right here, day unto day and night unto night. 
I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to serve a God that doesn't change. I'm thankful to serve a God that as he was faithful back then, he'll be faithful now and I can look forward to him being faithful later on. I'm thankful that just as as wonderful and powerful as he was then, that he's the same God today. I was thinking back a couple of weeks ago on our up and coming services and everything that God has done. I remember the very first service I preached when we were in here, can God, and I was asking that question, can God early on in my own life as I was about to get married and the Lord showed himself faithful then and then all of a sudden in our ministry, the Lord has showed himself faithful here at Gateway and as we look forward to the future, we can rest assured that the same God that was faithful back then is the same God that will be faithful in the future. Because why? He's consistent. Day unto day and night unto day. Some of you have walked through the doors of the church and you are doubting God right now. You have no reason to doubt God. You say, well, you don't understand my circumstances. They're just not great. and You don't know what I've been through. No, but I know who's been with you through it. And He's wonderful. But how do you view Him? You say, well, I really haven't gone to Him lately. Well, then that's not His problem. I wonder sometimes how our view is of God. You see, I remember in my own life, the Lord convicting me of these areas where I said, you know, I want to do this, but Lord, I just can't. And I began to be convicted sitting under the preaching of God's word of and when you view God truly as who he is, it becomes a lot easier to do those things. You know why there are many Christians who will not take steps of faith to do great and big things for God? Because you're focusing too much on yourself and too little on God. Because when you see how strong and how mighty and how wonderful he is and he calls you to do something, then all of a sudden you begin to realize you're nothing, but he's everything and he can still do that work. You think that Gateway Baptist Church was capable of doing everything we've been able to see the last year? No. But God. He's enabled us and he's strengthened us and he's given us the grace and the the, the mercy to move forward. He is a consistent God. In verse number 3 and 4, notice these words. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. I believe when you run to the Lord, you'll find that His Word is very plain. It's understood. You'll find that as you're searching God's will out and you're trying to find direction, that He's very clear about things and He desires to move us forward. But the truth of the matter is, our faith oftentimes is weak. We can't do so. So the psalmist is introducing us to this this God that we're speaking of. Now notice with me number two. Number two in verses seven on down, you begin to see how wonderful he is in the description of how wonderful he is. Verse number seven, the law of the Lord is perfect. Here's the truth of the matter. You don't get to decide whether the Lord's word is perfect or not. It's perfect. You just get to jump on board or you get to disagree. That's fine if you disagree, but you're still wrong. His word is wonderful. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. This statement right here in verse number 7, the law of the Lord, it speaks to shoot an arrow, if you would. It's direct, if you would. It's perfect. There's no flaws in it. The word converting the soul, the statement there speaks of restoring or reviving, if you would. And there are times whenever we come to the house of God and we're so discouraged and we're so beaten down and we're sitting there listening to the word of God and all of a sudden it converts the soul, it revives us and it gives us the hope that we had been looking for. And we're reminded of this. Oh, what a Savior. Can I share with you, as you're sitting there in your seats, you're listening to the choir open up with songs like Almighty, Unchangeable God. Are you grasping it? How Almighty He is. 
How unchangeable He is. How wonderful He is. Almighty, unchangeable God. You sit there. We'll get fired up. We were at baseball practice the other day, and I was standing over there like a, a proud father thinking, that's my son. Yeah. Yeah, get him. And all of a sudden, we'll see God do something, and we don't hear nothing. We'll shout. We'll get excited about everything in this world. We'll get excited about when people do this and people do that. And we'll even say, did you see that? But I wonder how many of us last week as we walked out the doors of the church, we walked out and we said, did you see that all those years that Miss Elizabeth and Brother Terry have been praying for her mom to get saved? She got saved. Years they had been praying. I walked out thinking, you know what? My dad still needs my prayers. I walked out thinking, you know what? All those years I've been praying for my dad, that right there reminded me to keep praying that the Lord would still intervene and save my dad's soul. And we'll get excited about all of these many things and we'll have tears about this and about this. But whenever someone gets saved, nothing. We just sit there and we say, ah, well, I mean, it's expected. No! Praise the Lord! Rejoice! A young man surrenders to preach. A young lady surrenders her life to the Lord. Whatever the case might be, we don't just sit there and say, well, I've been waiting on that. What a sorry attitude. And we wonder sometimes, the Lord is trying to break through, and the Bible tells us right here, the law of the Lord is perfect. How do you view His Word? How do you view the Lord? Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. A statement, the testimony of the Lord is sure, speaks of it being worthy, of it being reliable, if you would. Making the wise simple, it goes on. The statutes of the Lord are right, helps us to keep us obedient, if you would. Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, speaks of clean and clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. They can be counted on. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. As you think about God's Word, it's not just another word. It's a precious word. I've got books in my office right now that are good books. But they're no comparison to this book right here. We, I remember thinking in my own life, that I, I've given myself to the reading of this and the reading of that, and we'll brag about how many books we've read in our lifetime. Can I share with you that when you get to glory one day, the Lord is not going to commend you for being able to read 3,000 books in your lifetime. He's going to simply look at you and say, that's great that you read all those books, but why were you unfaithful to this book? What was wrong with the greatest book that was ever put into your hands? Well, it just was a little dry. Dry? You mean to tell me as I was leading them through the desert, it was dry? And You mean to tell me as I open the book of Genesis and I read about the story of Joseph that it was dry? You mean to tell me that as I transition to the book of Nehemiah and I see the people doing a great work for the Lord after they neglected another work and they were supposed to be doing that it was dry? You mean to tell me as as you walk into the book of Daniel and you begin to see Daniel and the lions, then you begin to see those three Hebrew boys, you begin to see all of the the events that are taking place, that it was dry? You transition to the New Testament, you mean to tell me that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying and bleeding for you, that it was dry? You mean to tell me that as he not only died on that cross, but then he was buried in the tomb, and all of a sudden he resurrected, that it was dry? No. No, it ain't dry. You go and you begin to realize just how wonderful He is. 
in our Sunday school class just a little bit ago, we were talking, and we were talking about revival as you study and you come to the book of Ezra, chapter number 7. We asked the question, why is it sometimes so hard to do the will of God? To act on the Word of God? To do the ways of God? I believe one of the ladies raised her hand and was sharing sometimes because you begin to to look and you begin to, in a nutshell, see how unworthy you are. You begin to compare sometimes or you begin to criticize sometimes. This and that. And the truth of the matter is, the more that I read this book, the more grateful that I am for the calling of God on my life because I realize just how truly unworthy I am. I don't deserve everything the Lord has given me. But He deserves everything within my life. He deserves that I would sell out to Him. I have hobbies and I love those hobbies and I love doing this and doing that. But I've come to realize that there's just no greater joy than serving Jesus with your life. And I wonder this morning, as you go to Luke chapter number 14 and you read about bearing that cross and laying down your life, you begin to think about serving the Lord and being a true follower of Him. You say, I just can't do it. How do you view it? Because if you love them enough, you'll be willing to do anything. We close with this. We're done. Look with me in verse number 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from my secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from his unctuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Psalmist here begins to reveal his own heart. As he introduces us to our God, our Creator. He introduces us to how wonderful His Word is. He then closes out by addressing his own life. And he says in verse number 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. If we're ever going to live a life that is completely given to the Lord and faithful to the Lord, then we're going to have to come to the place where we die to self and we come to the end of ourselves and realize just how not only glorious He is and wonderful He is, but how worthy He is. Last week, as I was sitting here, standing here rather, and the invitation was given. And I go and I get on my knee. Brother Terry is telling me about Miss Lucy, and I bend down and I'm looking at her. And I said, could I give you a hug and welcome you to the family of God? And I was reminded about how wonderful Jesus is when the only words that came out of her mouth were this. I love Jesus. And I believe the truth of the matter is in many of our lives is we've lost that. I remember getting saved and after I got saved, I just wanted to tell people about Jesus. I remember in many moments in my life where the Lord has revealed himself and done a major work that I just wanted to talk about Jesus. And I want my life to be consumed with this one thing that he is worthy. As these young people stand and sing and preach and participate in the service this evening, 
I don't want them to do that because the pastor wants them to do that. I don't want them to do that because you want them to do that. I want them to do that because they understand one thing. He's worthy of it. The things that I sing, He's worthy of it. The things that I will proclaim, He's worthy of it. The opportunities that I'm given, that He gives us, He's worthy of it. And I want us to come to the place where we really and truly acknowledge this one thing. Are you willing to sell out? You say, I don't know. You get a good viewpoint of who God truly is in your life. It becomes much easier. Who is the Lord to you this morning? View Him as He is viewed and how He ought to be viewed. It's much easier to sell out to the Lord. Lord, we do thank You this morning. I pray that You would help us, Lord, every single one of us, Lord, this morning. Lord, that we would surrender our all to You. Opportunities are given. Days will come. Moments will pass. Lord, we'll look back on our lives and we'll realize that there are a lot of days and a lot of moments that were wasted because we lived for ourselves. I want to come to the place in my own life where I die to self and realize how wonderful you are and how worthy you are. And so, Lord, help us. Guide us and direct us. I pray that you would draw us to you. Help us surrender our all and stop living for ourselves. Fortune, Jesus, and we do pray. Amen.